allergy season has come upon us. Uh oh, yeah, it is starting <clears throat> up, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And so I feel it in my lungs. And your fingers? Yeah, that wet, wet, wet <laughs> song. No. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, the thing is, that's not even the worst part of love, actually. <laughs> Hard to believe, but true. The original movie that used that song was not love, actually. It was four weddings and a funeral. I see, that I can approve of. Really? <laughs> yeah. But Andy McDowell's acting is just so horrible. Well, it's true, but I think we can look over that. So no. I don't know. I don't know. I would say that uh, Love Actually is a better movie. Well, I think we'll just have to agree to disagree because you're wrong. <laughs> I would say most <laughs> Brits would say oh. that Four Weddings and a Funeral is a better movie. Yes, they would, because it is. And most non-Brits would say that Love Actually is a better movie. All right, I think we should we should take it to the public. We should. It should be a straw poll. Has Twitter polls been rolled out to everyone yet? Uh-huh. It doesn't have geolocation, though. We're going to have to do two tests, right? Mm. You're going to have to set up, hey, all British people, okay. which movie's better? Mm. And then I'm going to have to say, hey, all non-British people, which movie's better? All right, we'll do that. What an exciting delve into the world of social media this will be. Right. Never let it be said we don't get right to the facts. So let's go on with the COUs, which is normally our corrections, omissions, and updates. We'll briefly chat about some of the stuff that we've been doing for the past week. And then after that, we'll proceed with the book club. And this Fortnite's book club... Good use of the word Fortnite. I did. Is uh, Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days by Jake Knapp and two other people that I can't remember the names of. John Zaretsky and Braden Cowitz. From Google Ventures. And this book caught my attention uh, in a couple of different ways, which I'll explain later. Um, looking forward to talking about that. And then Edwin is going to announce the next book after we talk about Sprint. Followed by the PSGs, which stand for... Podcasts, games, and shows. Or shows and games. Fuck. Where we talk about some of the stuff that we've been playing, listening to, and watching. And then we'll probably end it off with something mildly funny <laughs> we try varying degrees of success i was thinking we should put ninja of the week into cous so up front yeah mm. how, do you, how, do you, how do you feel about that it's a lot of pressure like, it is an update though but it is an update saving it for the end yeah it doesn't make sense the problem is there's always a downer because you always hate them so <laughs> yeah. I have to, like trying to stitch together something hilarious for the for the end and it's just like oh it sucks <laughs> so some updates Sam, you recommended me a game on the last show, which yes. was Lara Croft Go. Mm -hmm. And so this was your fourth recommendation. And I'm pleased to say, finally, on the fourth time around, you got a good one. <laughs> I'm glad that you like it because it is actually, um, it has been considered uh, in a lot of top 10 lists last year, which is surprising because usually uh, it's, I, don't, I wouldn't say a lot of mobile games even uh, breached that list. Right. Oh, so it's a list of just all games across all, games. all platforms. Right. right. Oh, okay. Um, so really cool to see that. Yeah. Have you played it? Did you finish it? So I've been playing it for about six months. But it's not because that I'm stuck or anything. It's just, you know, I'm I'm like... Uh, you just really want to get your $5 worth. <laughs> right. I like taking my time with things, let's say. Yeah, so I've been sort of solving a puzzle and then like going back and I get interested in other apps and I kind of forget about it. Then I come back to it. Uh, mm -hmm. But now I think we're actually in a very similar place. Yes, because I got stuck earlier. You sent me a screenshot. Yeah. 
but I fixed it though because you can slide these stone pillars and the uh, the UX for how to move them was not at all clear. Yeah, the ar- the arrows that you have to click on to push them over are really small. Right, because I saw the arrows mm-hmm. and I thought I had tapped on them or I thought I tried. Right, I mean, it's not logical that you have to tap on them, right? Yeah, it wasn't super clear. And then I was like, oh, like on the fifth time around, I was like, oh, wait, hang on a second. These don't work the way I thought they did. I mm-hmm. can actually move left and right. Anyway, so... Luckily, I've moved on, and now I'm stuck on on another level. <clears throat> Hurrah! What about the game? Do you like? Um, I can listen to my podcasts while playing the game. Aside from <laughs> multifunctional capabilities, finally, a game that gets it right. Uh, it is ridiculously beautiful. It reminds me of Monument Valley, but without the MC Escher influence. Yep. Does the fact that you're controlling Lara Croft at all add to the? No, I mean I think I'd prefer if it wasn't Lara Croft. In all oh, honesty. really? Yeah. I think if this wasn't a Tomb Raider property, I think I'd like it more. Hmm. I feel like it adds a lot to the the background story that it perceives. I guess I haven't gotten too involved in the backstory. Yeah, I don't think there really is a story. Um, But there's sort of an implied adventure that she's undertaking. Yeah, yeah, I'm not crazy. I don't really care about Lava Croft either way, so... So the thing that I like about it is also, like, it relates to the fact that it's Lava Croft as well. There are some mechanics that come into play that I think would be hard to fit in with any other character or some other property. Like okay. uh, in some puzzle elements, like if you approach a bad guy from the side, like Lara Croft just shoots the person or a thing. Uh, and I thought that was like a clever tie-in to uh, a mechanic in like the other Tomb Raider slash Lara Croft games. Double-handed pistol as well. Right, nice. exactly. You know, I think it, it kind of goes along very well with the theme that you're trying to discover something and then like the side elements of finding the the vases with the gems in it do you know what i only just realized today i was supposed to be finding them oh really <laughs> yeah at what point was i told i was supposed to be finding vases of stuff i think in one of the levels it's just really clear that the vase is there with like a little glowing light coming out of it don't miss that totally yeah. so now i'm like fairly far into the game and i've got three sapphires out of 500 or something so <laughs> right. like uh, 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 i'm like i hope this isn't, isn't important and you are on the third notebook already right i do like the notebook mechanic that was definitely one of the things kind of things missing from um touchstone is like the sense of progress of hey i'm getting through pages in this book and this is map and you get to see kind of clearly yeah where you've come from and where you go and when the end is, it's not an yeah. ever-expanding map that just continues to build and build. <laughs> Problem is, when you open the notebook, it doesn't go to your last position. <clears throat> I think it took me a while to realize I can flip the pages and instead of having to play all those goddamn levels again. Uh, no, I'm on the third. Maze of Stones is the third notebook. I'm trying to think of some downsides uh, or things I'm not so keen on. Mm-hmm. Um, there is some add-on purchases. You can get the clue it's oh, right. a clue pack for another $5. You can get solutions to the levels. But I think that's the only additional purchase. It, it yeah. Which is kind of nice, so it's not... But that's pretty hidden too, right? It's pretty passive. It's like a little question mark on the corner of the screen. Yeah. I and mean, it's funny, though. If you get stuck on a level, you get like a little red badge on it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. When I was trying to figure out how to move those stupid stone pillars... I think, like, on the third or fourth time of restarting the level, it started to, like, make itself more known. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. But it's definitely good. I like it a lot. <clears throat> um, 
it's actually a little bit scary as well. Like the snakes and the spiders and mm-hmm. the iguanas. Like you're like, oh, I mean, scary isn't the right word. What's the word I'm looking for? Thrilling. It is thrilling. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so well done, Sam. Finally. Finally. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Want to hear any more of your whining? Uh, I'll play it alongside you. Well, that'd be nice. If Game Center worked, we could uh, <clears throat> share scores. But no. Yeah, what a tragedy Game Center is, huh? Oh, God, it's awful. It makes me roll my eyes whenever the, the little bar from the top pops in. Yeah, I've signed out of it. There was a time on Two Dots where it would try and sign me in <clears throat> every single time I opened Two Dots. Huh, that's annoying. Oh, it's awful. And it does like and it does like a two seconds of like the bubble animation, so you can't even just cancel it. Oh, wow. It was like, oh, come on, bubbles, yes. <laughs> Very good, Game Center, now go away. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. But I think I was reading a report that some it's been broken for the last six months or something. Oh, really? So it could be like another one of those things that Apple is just going to... Yeah, stop like, supporting it's like hey game center what the hell's that i haven't heard of it like they just recently got rid of iads as well right or not recently they did yes <clears throat> yes and um itunes itunes radio yeah game center mm. i never knew really i never really knew what you were but yeah. thank god you're you're gone <laughs> if you're looking for a game get tomb raider i mean i think some people might balk at a five dollar game for mobile but that's your problem you cheapskate it's called lara croft go yes pony up five bucks do you want to do thingy magic of the week? Ninja of the week. Bling. Let us take a look. This is one step away from being like a sexy fox ninja. <laughs> so let's have a look. So it's very, it's kind of blue and what's the word I would use? Sketchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that is that a way to describe drawing? Yeah, it's penciled. It's not inked. <gasps> penciled. Very good. Yeah, it's feathered. This is great. If you want a segment of listening to someone who knows nothing about drawing, <laughs> trying to critique drawing, then this is for you. But see, now you know feathered and... I do. Penciled. Penciled. Uh, more. I think there's a lot more detail mm-hmm. here. Um, this isn't the first time I think we've seen a the torso of a ninja since Ninja 1. <laughs> oh, I guess Ninja 5 has... You see the whole torso, but... That's kind of a lot more simplified. Whereas here we've got like a ninja cummerbund, which is not what it's called, but that's what I'm calling it. And a ninja scarf. How, how do you feel about it? I mean, other than it belonging on DeviantArt. Um, yeah, I, so that's my problem with it. I mean, this is, I feel like something a uh, 16-year-old would draw and <laughs> okay. think it's amazing. There's no way in hell I would actually use this for like uh, an official art for anything. Like and the pose is just kind of awkward, right? Uh, I was just sort of freestyling and just doodling rather than thinking of a purposeful pose and rendering that out. I was just I just started drawing the head and then like I let it lead to um, the rest of the body, sort of. Yeah, I think this is just more about me feeling comfortable with the setup again and more about like seeing how I can do the coloring a little bit better using the the brushes that I'm using. So right. I'm using these set of brushes from Kyle T. Webster, who is like, who creates, who does a lot of illustrations as well. He had created like these really nice set of brushes for Photoshop that al- allows you to achieve very natural looking style. Yeah, it does look very natural. You're right. It's getting comfortable with it. I still think I have a very long way to go. Like even rendering out the legs and then making the whole pose look non-awkward is a huge step that I didn't undertake. Oh, I guess. Yeah. Now you mentioned it, the legs look kind of like kind of blobby, I suppose. <laughs> like, I mean, I could have drawn him or her, which is like another issue, right? Is it a him or her? Taking, I, can, I could have drawn her like taking a step forward, uh, which I think might have been okay. But why is she sneaking, right? Like none of her, none of her other posture says she's sneaking. 
Except maybe her hands. Yeah, but... look, I guess she kind of looks a little bit like, oh, I just heard something. <laughs> Wait, what's that? Right. And I feel like the, the just the facial expression has been the same facial expression since. But it's tough, though, if you only have the eyes to work with. But see, you would think so, yeah. right? But I think um, there are multiple different ways that you can actually emote this effectively just through the eyes and po- posture. Well, keep going. I'm I'm enjoying this process. All right. Do it um, for me, Sam. Okay. <laughs> this week, we have been reading Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just Five Days by Jake Knapp, John Zaretsky, and Braden Cowitz, as chosen by Mr. Sam. I first heard of this book with a Medium post from Jake Knapp on deciding how they came up with the cover art. Yes, this is how I heard about it too. I think they actually used a part of their process to finalize the book cover, which is kind of cool. Wow, so meta. They are practicing what they are preaching, like for realsies. And writing. And writing. And it was really interesting to read. Uh, Not only that, I think the book cover was really pretty, which was designed by Jessica Hirsch, who is a awesome typographer slash book cover designer slash illustrator. That led me to check it out. I wanted to buy the book immediately, but then realized that it wouldn't be available until March 8th or something like that when Mm, we decided to read the book. So... It was a really good time. I think it just timed out perfectly. And so here we are. We are reviewing the book. Yes, sir, we are. I would say the abstract of the book is it is a step-by-step process on how you would break down a problem and able and get to a point where you're able to test it in just a matter of five days. And so what Jake and the team write are really helpful step-by-step things that go from Monday to Friday and it breaks down what you do on each day pretty effectively Mm -hmm. and uh, they go through the details of what to do but not only that they give really helpful tips on just how to facilitate the entire thing um, how to formulate some of the ideas and also how to go about uh, doing the last parts of the project and what to do afterwards um, which I thought was really effective um and yeah i'd say that's a pretty good abstract of the book yeah i'd agree it's a very it's a very simple premise but i think you do get surprising depth from the book for this book i did listen to the audible version um right. mainly because i i was kind of tied back uh for like the first week and a half due to kids being sick see previous episode <laughs> right me unable to sleep and very very tired i just didn't have moments where i would be able to pick up um, the e-reader and actually read it. So I got the audible version and I was away reading nice. while listening. Uh, I ordered the the hard copy version, uh, which arrived a couple of days after uh, release date. And it smells amazing. That's what they should make. It should make Sprint. Low the toilet. <laughs> oh, so good. It's so, like paper and glue and ink. and Oh my God, it's amazing. And like there are some really pretty like insert pages which are just solid blue yes you don't get this on the kindle version it's amazing so you get each day is divided with a solid blue page and then they've got a little a little line printed right on up onto the border of the page Mm -hmm. so when you look down the spine you can see which day is about monday which part of the book is about tuesday wednesday thursday man yeah that's unfortunate that you don't get that experience with the uh with the kindle versions it's really nice that they've got the illustrations for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like on the inside mm. front and back cover. Oh, that's super useful. 
And plus you get a picture of all three smiling, bearded, bespectacled men on the back cover. <laughs> let's do a three by three. Yeah. Shall let's... we? Since that's the thing we do. It is a thing. We should patent it. You stole that from someone, though. No, I made it up. Oh, shit. Well, in that case, you should certainly patent it. Okay, so let's jump into the good. I think we've already touched on this, but the design, production quality, everything about this book is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's just a it's a treat to hold and behold. <laughs> if I ever make a book, I want it to look like this. And even sometimes I like to take the dust jackets off a book yep. because you it's people annoying. don't often look at it like that. And well, uh, yeah, but it's also kind of fun just mm. to see what the naked book looks like. Is the naked book blue as well? No, it's white. It's uh, satin, satin cardboard, and then on the spine it is uh, slightly perforated, so you get a little little texture to it. Mm. And then the spine is printed in reflective silver. Sprint. It's really pretty. Oh, nice. I really like the idea that they may have done a sprint for this book. Sprint. Pretty sure, yeah. So I will go on with my good point. This book gets right to the solution right away. I think in like one of the first chapters, it gives you an immediate overview, which is pretty detailed. Yes. Of what each day entails. And I would say that if you're a resourceful person, you can simply just read that chapter and go from there. And it would actually help you on whatever sprint that you're planning to do. So I say this because you and I have read uh, lots of uh, professional success or personal success books. (laughs) <laughs> right and probably many more to come and <laughs> many more to come uh, and and a lot of those books uh one of the one of the problems that we had is that it does save the final solution until after the book is over and it's in the appendix <laughs> yes that has happened once or twice um, yeah they're like oh we've got to save the actual thing you care about for the very end <laughs> exactly it's like the supermarket putting bread in the far corner <laughs> and i also have another question for you regarding the book uh, sure. if you look at the back cover uh, yes. Which section would this belong in the Barnes & Noble? This belongs in business and economics. Ah, that's strange. That is strange. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd agree with that. Business, maybe. Economics, I wouldn't say. No. But if I look at essentialism, it is also in business and economics. Mm, okay. So maybe that is like the broad category. Just to bookend <laughs> your point, uh, they've also got a checklist at the end. In addition to them kind of laying out the solution early on, mm-hmm. then they do a deep dive on a day-to-day basis. They then have a section at the end, which is a checklist, and then it goes through an hour-by-hour schedule for each day mm-hmm. of like what's happening now, and like a paragraph or so just to remind you uh, what the hell's going on. And that's awesome. Another thing that I appreciated was that they liberally scatter anecdotes throughout the book, and none of them were about Michael Phelps. I didn't notice they had the the same problem or they suffered the same writing style as Charles Duhigg in um, the now habit where they would have in the oh, right. time period <laughs> in the uh, early mornings of September as the yes. crew gathered around the coffee shop little Jimmy Phelps <laughs> went to buy his first cup of coffee now yeah yes. it's like yes they did that a few times right but, I, I actually mean, don't I mind s- that though so no because somehow it's not so obnoxious i guess somehow they, they've just done it it's okay but yeah like actually having presenting this concept and then giving you concrete anecdotes from exactly what they did with real companies that you've actually heard of right um, yeah and i think that was also my second point is that um these are really good stories and i actually wrote um none of them involving michael phelps 
And all the stories are actually very funny and helpful. Um, and mm. one of the good things that Audible did was it would actually say the footnote as part of the, the, the reading. It would say stuff like Walrus Co. footnote. We're not going to we're not going to name names here, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, no. Because to 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 not embarrass the company and stuff like that, which was actually really funny because like some yes. of those footnotes are not informative at all. It's just there to add flavor. And I found that entertaining to hear. And I thought the way that it was written or the way that it read was very comfortable, but it wasn't like bad as well. Like it didn't get too, I guess, colloquial. It was still at a set where um, it did seem like uh, tutorial writing and it's sort of guiding you through the process. But at the same time, the tone was very um, easy to listen to because it actually told you stories on like how they solved problems and stuff like that. And they also talked about Flatiron Health, who quite a few of our colleagues have gone to work for. So I kind of enjoyed that. My next good point, which is um, you can obviously tell that all of the steps that are written down are very seasoned and well-tested. Uh, and so it's it's you can tell that they've really thought of everything or they've gone through enough so that they know exactly what to do at which point. Yeah, there's some really good, helpful advice. Um, like some of the things that I really liked were the tips about having a set decider and like mm. having a set facilitator that doesn't really input uh, into yep. the group. Um, I also think like uh, in one of the sections they talk about brainstorming uh, ideas and actually writing down writing them down into uh, like like a storyboard mm-hmm. for each person. But normally, I would say like we have a tendency to to talk about our storyboard and show it to the rest of the team. Oh yes, I love this too. Yep. Right. Um, I really appreciated that. You know, there could be a lot of bias by the person who presents it. Like if the, if the person is just a really good talker or he's really charismatic, then there's a tendency to actually like that idea, even though it's not the best idea. So yeah. not allowing the person to speak about it and just posting it up on a wall, I think is super effective. Yeah, that's such a great observation. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't think it'd be something that you'd notice unless you've been through like a yeah. hundred of them. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I found I found that to be very, very useful. And like you can tell like they, they know their stuff. I like his advice to people who are facilitating maybe for the first time or mm-hmm. feeling like <clears throat> feeling a little awkward that they're facilitating and his advice is the best thing to do is to ask permission mm-hmm. it's like hey um do you mind or something like that right yeah it was like super casual it's like I'm going to facilitate this, which just means I keep an eye on the time and make sure things get done and keep notes and keep track of everything. Does that sound okay to everyone? And no one's going to say no. Right. But it just puts everyone at ease. Because no one said no, you kind of get the implicit permission that it's okay for you to be the facilitator. Mm -hmm. And I I will steal that. Yeah, I think having that stuff up front um, is is really good. And there's another thing about... um, the tips of doing an interview, which is sort of like in the last parts of the book, the methods mm-hmm. of doing the interview, I found that super useful as well. To kind of avoid bias or exactly. leading the subject or lead, yeah, leading the interview or, yeah, like making sure you're actually finding out mm-hmm. useful information that you aren't. Right. Setting your setting the team's mindset to in like um, curious mode when... Uh, you're actually doing the testing. I think it's also a really helpful mindset to be in. And I was thinking about like, there's this great thing about 
asking, um, like getting feedback by using a trailing question, which uh, like, and they mentioned like this one um, interviewer, I think his name was Michael Margolis or something like that. Um, is just really good at doing, which is, um, what did you? And then the the <laughs> user the 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 user that's being tested would be like, oh, you know, I was just like looking at this, and it, this didn't make sense to me. The broken question, exactly the broken yeah. question. And I thought that was so useful. And I was thinking about like, <laughs> wouldn't it be really funny if you use like the broken question when you were dating, like, <laughs> you know, like. When there's like an awkward break in the conversation, you could be like, so should we? And have the other person be like, go back to your place. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, pay the check or get dessert. Right? It's like a really good gauge on like what the other person might be sensing at the time. Yeah. If I remember, I'm definitely going to try and use that. <laughs> and I think just in general, like that's just indicative that there's just really interesting ideas scattered throughout this book and not even necessarily on this topic of solve big problems and test new ideas in five days but just like a few sentences that just popped out at me and i was just like huh and i kind of had to stop mm -hmm. and then think about it and i was like oh yeah shit that's awesome there's a fine line between a rebel and a jerk of course right but don't avoid people just because they disagree with you i was like oh huh yeah that is super useful uh, every meeting email and phone call fragments attention and prevents real work from getting done uh, taken together, these interruptions are a wasp's nest dropped into the picnic of productivity. <laughs> right. I, I, I heard that and I was like, oh, I, I should highlight this because I know Edwin is going to say something about this. <laughs> oh, God, we're now just highlighting things because we think the other person is going to highlight them. And let's see. I think I did highlight a couple more. It's like playing with Lego bricks. First gather useful components, <clears throat> then convert them into something original and new. Right. Which I think is... I mean, that's not even... That just works on so many levels. You are always trying to think like, oh, is this, is this original or am I just being derivative? But using building blocks that mm -hmm. already exist to create something new. I don't know, that just that spoke to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's so much value in that. Right. So one of the one of my pet peeves is when people say, oh, right. Like that movie was just a combination of Indiana Jones plus uh, Harry Potter plus narnia right <laughs> and you get the magicians <laughs> exactly but then you know like they've combined these things together and even if it's a good movie like they'd say oh yeah it's just a combination of those movies but to me it's like no they've created something new because they combine these things mm. right i'm not specifically talking about the magicians but <laughs> right like you know um Especially when they talk about games, it, it becomes an issue where like, oh, you know, they just copied elements of Mario and then put in uh, a racing element. And I was like, yeah, but that's like, that's creating a whole new game. Mm. You know, it's, it can't be, you can't discount the game just because it's uh, copying like good gameplay elements from other games. Yeah. So there's, there's total value in that. And I see that. Um, should we go on to the bad points? Yeah, let's do that. So my first one is that because this is such a seasoned series of steps and procedures mm -hmm. that if you do happen to miss one or do one the wrong way, I feel like it it has a lot of weight. One of the procedures not followed prop properly could really derail the entire um, sprint in a way that's negatively productive. 
there's not a clear way back to the path right if you deviate from it or you do something exactly make a mistake like there are some core things that are happening when they explain about how to map the user journey yeah that if you read through it it makes perfect sense but then if it's one if it's like your first time doing it you can easily misinterpret the way that that's being done and so you'd end up with this map that to the party and to the team at the moment might make sense but it's not really why you're making that map do you know what i mean and it could just be like a key mindset that you have to keep in mind as you're making that map it's like and and he does list it but i can see that because it was just a bullet point um but it's such a seasoned bullet point that if you miss it it could be pretty detrimental to that exercise formulaic isn't the word but it's a very isn't isn't the right word but it's there is a very clear step-by-step process. Right. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I guess I'm trying to say is unless it's a season pro that runs and facilitates this. It is quite intimidating, isn't it? It is not like, only. Yeah. Like, I have to do this. And then there's a 12 page checklist of things to do. <laughs> right. Like it's not only intimidating, but it's also like you have to keep a lot of stuff in mind because there could be a lot of questions like why are we doing this phase, you know? And if the facilitator then goes like, uh, well, because uh, actually I don't know. Like, let me look at the book. It's kind of... It sort of undermines your credibility or like... Exactly. Whereas if it was, you know, the team from GV actually running this, they'd probably have the right answer for it at all times. Yeah, that's what we're saying. I think, but I think inexperience is something you'll just have to get over, right? And you're sure. like, well, you know what? This is a good idea. We're just going to try it. But it's also it's a it involve if it involves like five or six other people for mm-hmm. five days, that is a huge time investment. Totally, yeah, it is a big upfront cost, right? I think also uh, reading the book because they go into such detail for each day, like it's they it's at least you know anywhere like fifty to seventy five pages per day. Mm-hmm. It was quite easy to kind of forget where you are in the. If you're reading this just from cover to cover as 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 a novel, if you have to read this for a book club, say, like having that level of detail, it's a little bit tricky to kind of remember, or at least for me, I found it tricky to, like sometimes I'll just get lost and be like, okay, this is interesting, but it's, I couldn't quite tie what I was reading back to, wait, what are we doing again today? Right. What are the reasons for that? And I think that might be different from you reading it versus um someone's facilitating it right yeah totally i can see how this is also one of those like bay area focus uh, (laughs) efforts right (laughs) to me this doesn't make sense in a company like a tobacco company like i don't see i don't see this being useful or even realistic for stodgy companies so it does have even though like i would love it to happen it's kind of problematic for people um who come from more traditional companies that are willing to do this i think it's a hard sell like you said like seven days is a lot of time off um for something that it's sort of hard to prove that's going to be effective for a company right yeah i mean i'm struggling like i thought this was great but i think one thing that just kind of tripped me up occasionally was Mm -hmm. the fact that it's written by three people but jake knapp gets the headline billing and mm. then throughout the book, it's all we this, we that. Right. And I guess it's not a huge problem, but at times I didn't know who was talking to me. And then it does reference Jake, 
every once in a while. Right. It's like we blah blah blah. blah. Jake then, does this. Right. Yeah, there was just something a little strange about yeah. in the in the voicing of it, or like you were. It wasn't clear. It was just I don't know. I can't really describe it very well, but it just yep. I think I would have perhaps preferred it to have been like by Jake <laughs> Knapp, and then in the in the thanks section, thanks to these two other guys who basically did this all with me, and totally. then he could have just done like I found it's better to do this, and then it could have been like a personal conversation between Jake Knapp and you, the reader, right. rather than this weird like we do this mm-hmm. uh, stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did you feel that, or am I just being? Um. I just the only thing that I noticed were when it referenced Jake when I thought <laughs> the but like oh wait yeah but like but aren't you Jake? Yeah, exactly. Like, aren't you are you, you talking about yourself <laughs> with a third person here? <laughs> right. Yeah. So I thought that was odd. Um but I do get I, I see what you're saying. Um maybe it was uh a point of the writer trying to be um accommodating to all the efforts, right? Yeah, which I think is ad- admirable. You're writing a book for a reader rather yeah, Jake than... Jake needed to be a decider and just say, hey, listen, guys. Yeah. I'm the one that really thought about this, and <laughs> I'm the one that's going to be putting it together. So do you guys mind if I just come from one point of view? Yeah. I think the book would be better if it just is written <clears throat> by me and I speak to the reader, <laughs> and then you get big-ass credits right up front in the background. Yeah, And cool. we'll have... Very similar style photos in the background and in the back cover. <laughs> in the back, yes. Another nitpicky issue, which I think hmm, might not be so nitpicky, is uh, in the Audible version, um, apparently there were like a lot of diagrams that showed um, what each company were actually drawing out through steps of the process. Oh, well, yeah. I got to see them all. <laughs> right. And in the Audible version, it'd be, this is Flatiron's diagram of their, what they called um, their start page. Mm-hmm. Uh, see figure 17 on the PDF <laughs> that follows. And I was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> there wasn't, like, Audible doesn't have a PDF functionality, which is really dumb. Yeah, that's a flaw <clears throat> in the delivery system. It is. And uh, speaking of Audible, this is a side note. Um, previously they had ability to bookmark certain sections like as you're listening mm. when you bookmark it gives you an opportunity it gives you an opportunity to actually write a note um, yes. but not only that it also gives you an uh, like it bookmarks the text of that segment um, mm, okay from the text version uh, which is which I thought was really helpful um, but now, they changed it to this bookmarking thing where it saves a 30-second clip of the audio clip. Oh, they just released that today, I think. That was the big news, that Audible is trying to release, like, shareable audio clips. Yeah. Right, and it's kind of it's kind of strange because it no longer gets the text of oh. that section. Uh, and so I, when I look through my bookmarks, like, I don't know which section, like, which bookmark <laughs> is... Bookmark 1, bookmark 23... Right. And you have to listen to it to, to find out which one it is. Oh, that sucks. And the thing is, I usually listen to it at like 1.25 or like 1.5. Yeah. And so the normal pace would be like, uh, and so on Monday, you do this and you do this and you do this. And mm-hmm. then if I listen to the clip, it's like, so on Monday, <laughs> you do this. And it's like, I can't listen to 30 seconds of this. Oh, it's 30 seconds of normal paced audio. Of normal rather, pace. Like- yes then 1.5x <laughs> i don't know i don't know if i like this change mm. and it's also difficult in a review situation because right. you now 
you're like, oh, I can review my notes. Oh, wait, I have to listen to my notes. So I ended up getting the Kindle version of the book <laughs> to see the diagrams and uh, the figures. To be honest, I'm not sure I have anything else bad to say. Um, yeah, me too. That was pretty much it for me. It's very specific. Mm. I'm not sure if... Maybe maybe I'm jumping into the future here, but I'm not sure if I would recommend it just as a good read in general, you know? Right. Like, it seems it's solving a very specific problem for a very specific type of company with a very specific amount of people. You know, you're not going to just hand this to your entrepreneurial buddy who's trying to, like, make apps by himself in his bedroom, mm-hmm. and you're like hey read this book to think of ideas like i think it sort of helps but reading it cover to cover in that situation just kind of drags a little bit perhaps you know what i was thinking i was thinking with the advent of this book i can foresee a lot of consulting companies where all they do is just this process for different companies Mm -hmm. right right and make variations on it and call it their own process Mm -hmm. yeah wouldn't that be a pretty cool service though like you would hire them to facilitate this training session. Yeah. And if they were effective, like, I think it's actually pretty cool because they'd bring all the equipment, they'd set the dates, they'd set the location. I really want to get a time timer now. I, I, I got one. Yeah, amazing. Because <laughs> it was exactly, it was something that my son needed. Because um, we do have him play on the iPad. Is he trying to solve big problems and test new ideas? He is in five days. But it's just the visualization aspect of the time passing that's super useful. Mm, okay. So you can gauge it and just notice how much time is passing by. Nice. I did have one more problem. Please. Uh, with it. If you have a seasoned facilitator, this is great for a first uh, experience. Like, it doesn't really explain on what that experience would be or how it should be modified. If that exact same team mm-hmm. does another one of these sprints. Oh, like a second time around. Right. Because I'm sure there are things that they should keep in mind as they do it the second time around. Like some gotchas that they shouldn't fall into. Maybe that's a follow-up book from Jake Knapp, though. Sprint two. Sprint harder. Sprint again. (laughs) But I think those type of tips would be really helpful because I can see where, you know, there's biases formed. There's some sort of um, expectations on whoever is prototyping it to make the prototype better, you know. Like, I can see a lot of things being assumed a little bit more that could cause issues. What are your future points, Edwin? Yeah, I think I'm going to definitely take some of the ideas of how to be a facilitator. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm perhaps not going to run a five-day sprint, but I do occasionally help out running retros, which, if you're not in software engineering, is like a process where you kind of review what happened on a project and try and it's basically a structured way for giving feedback on how a project went so you can learn as an organization and then feed that back to other teams uh in your organization i think Mm. it's one of the like the best parts of agile is the idea of a retro so i've been kind of trying to help facilitate a a couple of them um Mm -hmm. for projects that i've worked on which isn't great because i'm simultaneously the facilitator but also trying to give input into the the actual retro because i was uh engineer on that project so that's (laughs) not ideal but still yes the idea suddenly a lot of the advice they have for being a facilitator i will be um i will be taking for me it really psyched me up um i feel like you know we have all these ideas on what a sprint is um, and it's sort of mutated or got bastardized over the years as we implement them. And we certainly have our own versions of what they are now, which, you know, probably is really effective for the team. 
but the idea of this like really pure back to the basics sprint of trying to solve this one problem with like a core team yeah uh, to me it's very exciting it's sort of something that you do uh in a true startup environment and that to me is something that i kind of want to get back to even if it's not something done regularly um but something that maybe starts off a project or Mm. um gets the team to rally around a certain idea um i think it could be very very useful yeah but at the same time you know i i do worry about doing it right will you be recommending this to people and if so like what sort of people yes so i actually recommended it to my team i have recommended that they read it not listen to it whichever way that they want to consume the content Uh uh-huh okay um and i also recommended that we also do one which is kind of preemptive of him because i haven't really told them what we should be doing it on but i did ask them to read it because i feel like it's a pretty quick read yes it's nicely spaced out Mm -hmm. it's enjoyable yep yeah it's a great smelling book and yeah, it's a great smell. So overall, if you were to rate this book out of our patented, not patented, <laughs> uh, rating scale, how yes. would you rate this? I would say this is a four out of five. Why Why the four? Why not a perfect five? Because it targets a fairly niche audience, mm. which doesn't necessarily mean that it shouldn't be a five. But I think in terms of applicability, it's in a very specific <clears throat> situation as I said before, for like a very specific type of company with a very specific mm-hmm. amount of people in a very specific situation. Mm. I said situation twice. But I'm not sure that's a great reason to remove a star, but hey, I'm giving out stars. That's what I'm right. doing. Yeah. <laughs> I would actually give it a 5 out of 5. Oh, damn. If not a 4.5 out of 5. It might not be for everyone, but I think anyone who reads this would definitely find a new way to think about problem solving. Right. Yeah. Um I think we're we're very um we're we're blessed. Everyone. We are, you know what I was thinking of that as well while I was reading this book. I was like, wow, we are so fortunate because we already do right. not everything and not perfectly by any mm-hmm. means, but still a lot of these ideas here, I'm like, oh, you know what, we actually kinda of do that already. Right, totally. Like the rapid prototyping, the user testing, the 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 semi brainstorming of like uh, a lot of different people involved with like experts giving us information. I think we all do that to a certain degree. Yeah, this is just a little bit more focused. So I feel like we're very fortunate in that we we already are kind of doing that. But I think we're also fortunate in that we can propose this as yeah, something that we totally. do, and yes. the team would be game for trying it out like almost instantly. Right. Um, I can see lots of different companies, even startups, that would probably be unwilling to even give this a try. Yeah, like even one of the early early chapters, they say they've gone to startups that have plenty of space for ping pong tables and right. big beer kegs and whatnot, but they can't find one room with a whiteboard in to do a design sprint for five days. <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, uh, it made me think, hey, you know, like we're pretty lucky to working the way that we work thank you spotify thank you spotify Bing. cool so that was that was sprint oh yeah right i need to do another bit now yeah so i was thinking like how oh, great we can i can just cut to jingle there but no nope, <laughs> there's more to come this Fortnite's book club is linchpin by seth godin are you indispensable so this is a slightly older book this is from 2010 uh and let me uh, read it to you here so this book <clears throat> is about you your choices your future and your potential to make a huge difference in whatever field you choose there used to be two teams in every workplace management and labor 
Now there's a third team, the Lynchpins. These people figure out what to do when there's no rulebook. They delight and challenge their customers and peers. They love their work, pour their best selves into it, and turn <clears> each day into a kind of art. Sam, don't you want to turn each day into a kind of art? I do. If there's anything I'd like to do <laughs> is to make things into art. Full disclosure, I have read a little bit of this book before, but I've totally forgotten it. Because the next book that I'm actually going to recommend is something that I read previously, but let's leave it at that, and I'd like to read it again. And also, because I'm a cheapskate, I already have this book. Excellent. So I'm going to get this from Audible, and it'll be another Audible. Oh, shit. Wait, hold on. So I have two choices here. Oh, unabridged. Always unabridged. Ah, shit. Unabridged is eight hours and uh-huh. 27 minutes. Yeah. Abridged is two hours. Oh, God. And 18 minutes. Unabridged, Sam. Unabridged. I would like to make myself indispensable. Well, I don't know. Is that a quality that you want? Do you want to be indispensable? What if your company comes to a screeching halt if you go on vacation? That's a very good point. That is not when you want to be indispensable. Right. You want to be very dispensable for four to five weeks a year. Or from the hours of... Right. 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So PSGs, uh, podcasts, shows, and games. Yes, sir. The game that I've been playing is called The Division. Even I have heard of this game. Really? Yeah, so let's shall I tell you about it. Yeah, please do. I've only heard about this. I know actually nothing about it. But okay. this is a new game from Tom Clancy based on a book, or he wrote the story. And it is available on the Playbox 360. (laughs) And that's all I know. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Thank you and a good night. But Tom Clancy has been dead for about five to ten years. So I don't understand how this new... Like, I I don't know why they're calling it Tom Clancy unless it's like a book that maybe we haven't heard of. I don't know if it's actually written by him. And if it's not written by him, like, why is it called Tom Clancy's The Division? Like I get it, it's like so it's um, kind of immediate future, uh, post-apocalyptic, everyone's a soldier sort of world, which is very Tom Clancy-ish. So it does fit into like his properties, or it could be like his company, but I don't think it's made by him, his company. But anyway, and it is for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 4. Oh my god, I was so, I was right. Well, unless you say the Playbox 360. That's like both of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> the the setting in this game is everyone has died because of this strange virus that's going out. Is Will Smith there with his dog? He's not. Oh, too bad. Although, I don't know, it might be a, a future downloadable content piece. <laughs> right. Where you play as Will Smith and a German Shepherd. Yeah. And the division is sort of like these sleeper agents that have woken up to protect the city. Uh, what's really cool is they've essentially recreated Midtown Manhattan. You start off in Brooklyn and you go through, um, you transition over to Manhattan and most of the game takes place in Midtown Manhattan. With the Midtown Mental Hospital right there. <laughs> totally. And you can see the Statue of Liberty out the window. <laughs> and then you break into break bills. <laughs> and you like home base is uh, near Madison Square Garden. And it's really interesting to see like certain landmarks and go, oh, wow, yeah, like that That actually does look like that section of the city. You know, that, that thing you walk past every day and dismiss. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but suddenly you're sitting down at home and you're on a, it's on a screen. Like, oh, like, my God, it's so cool. <laughs> if you ever go to a museum and you see a painting, uh, it's always less impressive than actually knowing about it from a book and then seeing it again. You get that sense a little bit, but... One thing that they did get wrong is K-Town. 
<clears throat> which is called the dark zone because uh, it's a it's a place of the city that they couldn't really quarantine and so they just left it to shit and so k-town is completely lost and you go in k-town and like the dark zone to essentially um look for really precious weapons and also that's the only section of the map where you can actually shoot other players that are playing with you but yeah they got it all wrong in terms of like how wide the streets are and all that so oh but overall fun interesting game if you have the opportunity to check it out I would recommend that you check it out because it's nice. But I know that you will not, Edwin. No, I will not. But I do have a game for you. What? Right, phones at the ready because I have a recommendation. Uh, This is a secondhand recommendation. I haven't had a chance to play it yet, but it's free. So I figure what the hey. The game is called Black Box. Who is this recommended by? This might be a future podcast that I recommend on this show. Ah, this looks nice. Have I ever showed you the game... That makes my brain shed itself. Um, I don't believe you have. <laughs> At least I've not been in your presence when you've shown me it. <laughs> so this game looks very similar. Well, actually, it doesn't when I look through it. But one of the screens um, almost made it look like this game called Puzzle Juice, which is one of the most stressful but most satisfying puzzle games. So the game is a cross between Tetris and Word Search at the same time. <laughs> I love that the tagline is, solve the puzzle, drink the juice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if you have an opportunity to try it, uh, you'll know what I mean when I say this is a game that makes my brain shed itself. Let's play Black Box and we shall report on the next show. Yep. And if you get an opportunity to check out Puzzle Juice, okay, maybe uh, I will. let me know. I'm kind of on a strict one game only on my phone. Sure. Then let's check it out next week. Oh, I'm breaking that rule right now because I have two games on my phone. <laughs> Crazy that. <laughs> Quick shows updates. I've started watching Hannibal. Oh, really? Yes, episode three. What do you think so far? It shows a lot of promise. The production is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's incredibly well made. One of my favorite things are actually the cooking scenes. <laughs> yes. Which is super morbid. I love them so much. The way that Hannibal eats. So, so creepy. It is so creepy, but also like it's so delicious yeah it's they've they've done it right evan who is actually a listener of the show we were having lunch and he was like how do you have time for all this (laughs) and i was like actually i don't have time for all this gotta go bye yeah so i need to be precious i need to be more precious about like what i undertake essentialism for the sake of the show essentialism yeah so agents of shield no longer gonna watch magicians that's just also for your own sanity as well You are a professional. I am a slob.